my position is, is that um, I needed to do what I can do. I don't have a life until I get my son in a position where he can take care of himself, has a job, and then I can pass away knowing that my son is self-sufficient and can be a, 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 a member of society and not a, and not a product of society. I wanted him to fulfill a dream and be able to live on his own. I don't want the state to take care of my son. I want my son to take care of my son. Does that make sense? Hi, this is Liz Weaver, and you are listening to the Learning Success Podcast, an information-packed podcast with the latest news, information, and tips to help you overcome a learning difficulty. For anyone suffering from a reading difficulty, writing difficulty, a math difficulty, a focus problem, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, or ADHD, this is the place for you. The Learning Success Podcast is brought to you by LearningSuccessSystem.com. Hello and welcome to the Learning Success Podcast, where you learn to embrace your child's brilliance and unleash their true potential. And today we have a very special episode because this is a subject uh, that is very dear to my heart and the subject of expectations. We have a wonderful young man who's done some incredible things and his mother who pushed him to do so and uh, a close mentor. So Braden Reeves, Braden Reeves was diagnosed with autism when he was four years old. He struggled all through his traditional elementary school, even though his mom, Tina Ryder, kept asking his teachers to, quote, push him to climb Mount Everest. Then, after finding no success, she discovered Hill School and transferred him. Flash forward eight years, and Braden graduated near the top of his class and received a NCAA swimming scholarship to McMurray University, and he has just started his freshman year. We have, of course, his mother, Tina Ryder, and the impetus behind all of this. And we have Philip Howley. Philip is the director of technology at Hill School. Philip worked very closely with Braden while he was a student, and he is going to provide us with insight as to how Hill School expectations put Braden on the path to success. Hill School is a K through 12 college prep school for children with learning differences in Fort Worth, Texas. They are unique in that they offer a full service program for children who learn differently. At Hill School, being diagnosed with a learning difference doesn't mean that you do easy work or get a free pass. It inst instead, it entails a student developing strategies and undergoing training so that they can define and achieve their goals. In Hill School, the common denominator in these students is their commitment to enhance their strengths through hard work. So hello, Tina, Braden. And hello. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Very good. Very good. Thank you, all of you, for uh, for joining me today. It's great to have you all together, and so we can see this whole journey from the different perspectives. Absolutely. So, so uh, I would like to start some with some questions for Tina. Um, I know that you know this having experience in in pushing people through high expectations that you know it does of course Braden did the hard work um, and Philip was a great mentor and those are both critical elements but I know the driving force is always mom so uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk to Tina first uh, so Tina so the, I, getting a little bit of a backstory I, I want to talk about how did you feel going back to when Braden was before he was four years old or just as he got that diagnosis you know it's 
what were your what were your first what were your first feelings right off the bat well first and foremost i'm a social worker and so okay. i think that's kind of helped um and in my profession i am a nursing home advocate so my whole career has been advocacy and self-advocacy to assure resident rights and things of that nature so um when i put brayden in pre-k um, is when I think the teachers saw him pulling away, kind of like the um, the typical signs you've seen, where where they withdraw, they social they socially isolate themselves, line cars, toys, don't engage, um, and that was about January of 2004. Then I sent him to a uh, a psychologist, where we got the official diagnosis which was February 25th of 2005. We were not able to, when we won the lottery, as I was discussing before, um, he, we can, won can the lottery to go to this special school, which did a little bit of different um, learning concepts for public school. And we were really excited about Braden going to that. And because of that diagnosis received, he was not allowed to go to that public school. So we went to our home campus. And it was there that all of the struggles and all of the fighting to try to get things for him that I knew public schools should have been giving him and he was denied those services. The extra speech therapy, the technology that he would need, um, any extra time to complete tests, subsidized tests, those kind of things. And so that's kind of where our journey began and I let him go up until the fifth grade and then I found Hill School which was the saving grace for my son. Okay okay so I it, those dates are pretty set in your memory. Absolutely <laughs> because right. the day that you get the diagnosis Mr. Weaver as a mom it, it was a death sentence because everything that you knew from birth to February 25th of 2004 everything that I thought was going to happen ceased on that day. I cried one day and then I pulled up my bootstraps and said, I'm going to take care of it. So I grieved for one day right. and that's all I gave myself to grief. And then everything has been great ever since. So that, that grief is, is the word I was looking for because that is the cycle that all parents typically go through usually a lot longer than one day. So you're, but I can't, I, my philosophy is I can't just be on the sidelines and not do anything about it. That's not in my DNA. It's not in my wiring. Um, right. I'm a person that uh, in just in my line of work is I, I go for solution. I go for trying to make it better, uh, overturn all my stones and all the resources that were available to me that I knew that I could, uh, I could get for my son. I mean, I've been on the waiting list in the state of Texas since he was four and he still has not made the interest list. And I had him on since he was four years old. What so is that waiting list for? for it's for uh, services for kids with learning differences. So if they were to go live into the community, extra support services at home, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. The list, it, it, the waiting list is 15 to 18 years in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I could not wait for those. I had to make a difference for my son uh, besides the waiting list in the state of Texas. Right. It sounds like Braden might be 
past any need for that list at this point. That yeah. is correct. Right. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, Braden, going back to that time, do you have any early memories of that time? When you yes, were. Yes, sir, I do actually have a couple memories here. Okay. Would yes, you sir. Like, would... Back. So, what are you trying to say, sir? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, ahead. I'm, I'm just trying to. Okay, so. Um, so, back. In my day, my mom, I had to go through lots of speech therapy, and I had to go through lots of that um, sort of thing. Like, like, what are you trying to get at here? I don't know what you're trying to say. Like, just, can just you repeat that, sir. What the question was? Would you, just how you felt at the time. So, um, did you feel uh, you were in a public school? Uh, I mean, I realize you were. This is just kindergarten or, or pre-kindergarten, so you might not have have memories of that time i don't i have very few memories of killed kindergarten myself or but um like did you feel different did you feel confident did you uh what was it like in those early days well i did feel a little different it's just i wasn't like any of the other kids and everything i felt like i was alone and i was like those kind of kids and so i kind of just how to respond to this question, I would say that it just, I felt kind of weird. I wish I was kind of like a normal kind of person that didn't have these kind of issues for autism and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So it kind of made me a little bit stressed out and really made me un, like unhappy. And so my mom kind of got me through those goals and stages to get me to where I needed to be. And I'm here in a college that helps me when and like and also they're trying to get me through things that I am screwing up on like communication and spe uh, speech delay and trying to become a better person so which is what everybody's goal should be not not just right, you in your situation right that's there's nothing that's that's um I mean, if everybody had that goal, the world would be a much, much nicer place. Um, so, absolutely. How did your your mother help you emotionally then? Did to feel more confident and and well to answer that question, um, she had to get through a lot of steps and a lot of processes <laughs> to get through. Um, all of those stages because she knew something was up mm -hmm. and I had that kind of play and autism and mm -hmm. what was going on and so she had to figure out a plan and a strategy of oh okay we can go to either we need to get you to speaking better and we don't want you just sitting there in the classroom so you were not talking to you were speech delayed you were speech delayed yes, smile speech delay yes sir Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. And then, so you started to go into the socializ mm -hmm. socialization in the classroom that she was helping you with? Yes. And yeah, she was helping me a little bit with uh, a lot of that, actually, a lot of that. And starting pre-K, I wasn't really ready for kindergarten yet. So I had to kind of wait for step, like phases of my life to get to 
pre-K first, then move on to kindergarten. And so I had to, like, I had to go through pre-K for a couple years. It was occupational therapy and mm-hmm. going through all those um, stages. And then after that, uh, if I was more comfortable, then my mom would say, okay, you're ready to move on, move forward to the next grade. And so that's what we did. And we decided to go to a different grade and, or move forward to another level grade. And we decided to move forward. That's interesting what you just said about your mom deciding on those levels. Um, yes, sir. Tina, can you tell us about those decisions? Sure. Um, we collectively decided um, with his diagnosis and his, um, and his, he had severe speech delay. He wasn't really speaking at age three. Um, and then I realized how bad it was when he was in a group in a pre-K setting. And that's when it all kind of started to snowball. Went to public school. We all kind of collectively got together and said he's really not ready for kindergarten. So we did the PPCD program in public school, which is a an avenue where they do and work on the basic skills, occupational speech, uh, social skills, did that for a year and prepared him for kindergarten. So he was always a year older than everybody else. Um, And I thought it was best to do it at kindergarten before he established friendships and things of that nature to go ahead and do that prior to. And it really was the best decision that we could have made. he, cause he just, he would have struggled his whole entire uh, elementary, middle school and high school career if we wouldn't have done that. So it was the best decision to make at the time. Sure, right. He even went to TCU and was involved in their Miller speech program, which they had like a classroom setting from like eight to one. So during the PPC program, he would do that in the mornings and then go to public school in the afternoon. And having that really one-on-one speech therapy for those four hours every day for, I mean, he had speech therapy for eight years. Four um, hours a day? Yes. Wow. I mean, I had him in intense. I, I had a coworker that was a dean at TCU and got me in. So again, notal, utilizing your resources. There was a waiting list um, and I got in. <laughs> so it was a blessing. So he had massive speech therapy for many, 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 many years. Right. Were, was that all done by a professional or did you do some of that work with him as well? Or? He had some in public school, which to be honest with you was nothing. I mean, they do 30 minutes and, and half of that time they're doing documentation. So I wasn't really li- relying on the public school. I relied on Easter Seals. Um, they gave me some speech therapy. And then the TCU, it is a school for speech therapists. So they're graduate students. They had separate auditory. So there would be a instructor that would be sitting with them or outside the auditory giving them instruction. And so he was actually getting graduate students working with him. So it actually, I loved it because they would do the newfangled speech therapy procedures and the new the new kind of thing that they would use and so and plus they were pretty little girls that Braden just loved (laughs) 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 he loved those little girls so um but that was really a phenomenal experience is to be able to utilize TCU and him getting very intense speech therapy that's one incredible resource it sounds like yeah yes 
So what uh, Braden mentioned, other therapies, occupational therapies, can you tell us a, a little bit of a, a brief, either of you? Um, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Braden, is it okay if I speak? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. So I, uh, we utilized Easter seals a lot. Uh, we had speech and, and occupational therapy there. We did have some PT, but most of Braden's were fine motor, like, I know this is kind of weird, but riding a bike. His occupational therapist helped him ride a bike. Not weird at all. Autistic kids, as you well know, don't understand their bodies in space. Their bodies have to be like positioned on the ground. Exactly. Uh, that's why roller coasters, skateboarding, roller skates does not work. It's, I, I can tell that for my child. No, okay. Yes. So the, let's clarify that a little bit. The roller skating, the bike does. The bike does, but not the roller skates. Why again? Is From what occupational therapy has taught me and physical therapy is that a lot of our kids have sensory issues. So if their body or feet are not on the ground, it's like a signal to their brain of having a basic understanding of their body in space. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of rewire your child to have an understanding of what your body feels like when you're not touching the ground. That's why bike riding, skateboarding, roller skates. Some of our kids with autism with sensory overload have difficulties with that. My child had extreme issue with that. He won't ride, he won't do roller, uh, roller coasters. He's never been able to roller skate or skateboard. Bicycling took about three years, but he can finally ride a bike. Okay, so- through I Can Shine that did that for him. What was that? It's an I Can Shine. It is a, like a nationwide program uh -huh. that I found that goes from state to state, has volunteers to assist kids to ride bikes that have sensory issues. Okay. I would love to send you the link. Yes, yes. Let's go ahead and get that, uh, and we'll put that in the description of this podcast. I think that's really critical. Um, my a, mom, a mom with a Down syndrome child developed this program, and they go to different cities, and they've got volunteers and sponsors. Uh, with Brayden, they provided a brand-new bike. Uh-huh. Voucher for a bike. It's a really awesome program. I preach that all the time because it my son then could ride a bike with his friends and he couldn't he rode a trike until he was 11 years old right okay yeah no that makes uh, my expertise is in proprioception and enteroception oh. mm -hmm. um i've been doing kung fu for 30 years and teaching it i taught it professionally for 20 years um in some of my early years, before I knew anything about learning differences and all that, I had a local high school, or I'm sorry, elementary school principal enrolled his daughter in my class. And then once he saw what we were doing, and she was like Braden, extremely tall. And so very difficult. She was at age 13, 12, she was 6'3" and no, no, no learning differences, but having difficulty with her body, with, with mm -hmm. coordination and that. And so then once we saw how we got her, her coordinated, he then sent us, I think, every single kid in the entire elementary school with any type of learning difference. <laughs> so we had, uh, we had a laboratory <laughs> of, of seeing this. And the amazing thing of, of proprios, of, we didn't know why, and I asked him, he did know. He said, well, because of your ability to teach 
proprioception and those things that you were saying about getting that grounding on the ground. Of course, Absolutely. A, a, a rooted Kung Fu stance is all about that. And so my- That's why swimming is so vitally important with the yeah. pressure of the water on, the, and I think that's why Braden from, I've had him in the water since he was six months old. He yeah. has just flourished with the swimming because it it does connect with him sensory wise. And that's why he's excelled so much in that. He's developing proprioception. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll talk to Braden about that for sure. That's definitely Great. something we want to bring, we want to bring up here. Um, but I, I have seen, you know, with uh, kids with aus autism or Asperger's, and we had some with, with even as severe as the Downs that the body coordination is, you can spot it. I mean, my wife and I can, I don't, I don't want to claim to be able to diagnose, but we can watch somebody in their first lesson of Kung Fu and we can diagnose. <laughs> it's sure. because the, cause the motions are very similar. And the other thing that is interesting, what Braden has done with his swimming, I believe, is that they, uh, the autistics or Asperger's kids that I've seen, when they find something that does that for them, that teaches their body the proprioception and the interoception, man, they latch on. Exactly. They do, and it, I think- it, it, is, it has been Braden's motivation since he was seven years old of what he's wanted to do. So I'm just so grateful that we were able to find, because he's he loves sports, he's been in multiple sports, but swimming, it's individual. He yep. focuses on himself and, and what he can do. And he's just, I mean, exploded with, with which that, oh, that, I, I can't even ex describe it. He has no. really been a, a true blessing for him. Right. Right. And the, the individual sport is, is also the thing because it does take internal focus. Yes. And so Braden, can you tell us what, um, when you were seven years old, what made you like swimming? So to answer that, so whenever I went to the YMCA at Ryan, I believe, I was thinking like I had actually I had a birthday party there before and um, I always had a dream of I always want to be learned how to swim and that kind of thing. And so when I had this birthday party a long time ago when I was, I, I guess, seven, right, mom, I was like. How old about, was I? You were about five or six, yes, son. Mm -hmm. five, five or six. And so then we were having that party and everything. We started swimming and everything. And so I started to feel, okay, now I'm starting to have the feel of this sport and um, starting to have the environment of teaching, like getting to get lessons for like strokes and that kind of thing. And then learning how to like the process of knowing how to do the swimming strokes and all of that sort of thing. So Mr. Reba, right? Is that your that, name, sir? That, that's correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so what exactly are you trying to say? Like you want me to talk about like the actual meaning of this sport or I was just wondering. What drew you to it? Why did you like it right in those early years? Okay. So the reason why I wanted to, choose this sport is because I've always had an interest and it was my passion and it's always been one of my favorites of all time so okay yeah so it sounds to me like you may have had some early successes in 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 swimming and yes sir yes sir. felt felt that you could build up upon those that 
Brayden, do you want to talk about how Special Olympics, getting when mom got yes. you in Special Olympics at seven, how that helped you motivate and, and you were very successful and confident? That was a real huge. Yes. Let me kind of just, can I start the baseline of that, honey? Are you okay yeah, go with ahead. that? Just summarize. Yeah, go ahead. So we, Burleson, I, I, I fought for about five years to get a Special Olympic um, uh, kind of group within Burleson and was denied. And so I kind of went outside Burleson and found the Fort Worth Flames. And we're not allowed to compete until you're eight. Our delegation was so awesome that they let Braden kind of at seven years old do all of the sports. Although he couldn't compete, they allowed Braden to practice with them. And so for a whole year, he practiced with the Flames. And then when he was eight years old, he got to participate. So we did track, he did basketball, he tried bowling, he tried volleyball, but swimming and basketball were his favorite. But swimming, he just excelled. He went to regional state several times, has won multiple gold medals. Um, we even tried to, worlds are every four years, but we were never able to make the world. And now he's a collegiate swimmer and so that kind of niche that but uh special olympics with 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 the families and how they are and how they are so supportive and very uplifting and very encouraging i think was the baseline of brayden having that motivation and confidence that he could do something and so brayden if you wanted to talk about how you felt about that i just know as a mom that's where i started and i think Special Olympics is another place that kind of saved Braden and that competitiveness that he has to mm -hmm. be able to express himself. So did you want to feel free to chime in, honey? I just kind of wanted to talk about the baseline of that. Right. So um, to me, summarizing this. Um, so what I mean by so so for what you said, mom, about like the Special Olympics and getting to me for me motivating and all of that sort of thing. So what I want to say is, is yes, Special Olympics did help me get motivated and it helped me teach some things on being sociable with other teammates. And Mr. Weaver here, what I want to say about this is about me having friends there on the swim team and trying to just learn the strokes and, know what to do and and not mess up on diving i guess and so i kind of don't know how to say this question but um so mainly honey i think what mr weaver wants to know is did it help you with your self-confidence how did did it make you feel better when you were in swimming and you you know were with your friends did being with special olympics help motivate you and make you feel better about yourself is what he's asking Exactly. So, Mr. Weaver, yes, it did. It, it helped me out tremendously, and it uh, helped me out with – well, I just said that. And so – don't, don't be nervous, Braden. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of – I will say he, he was nervous about this because he worries about him speaking, and I told him, Mr. Yeah. Weaver knows that you have speech delay, and that's okay. That's what we're all here to – to work it out uh, together. So don't I be can, nervous, honey. I can tell that you are an astounding young man. There is nothing – to be nervous about, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just, 
so anyway, yeah, it helped me a lot of tremendously with all the um, Special Olympic uh, swimming and just being nice to them and trying to be polite to them and mm-hmm. knowing what to say and, you know, communicate. And Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. It's so, okay. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. No, no, no. Acting over here, I'm sorry. No worries. So, so you were learning Olympics for ten years. So So you were, and then he did regionals. Um, his last regional meet was this summer and got three gold medals and did really well. Um, but he was in Special Olympics competitively for eight years and then nine years with with the same team, the Fort Worth Flames. Yes. And then also wait. No, go go ahead, Braden. And so I also competed. Yeah, 10 years with Fort Worth Flames, and then I also competed with uh, Centennial High School, but it was kind of a complicated situation where I had to, for four years in high school, um, this coach named Jeremy Martin, he wanted me to be on his team when I was at Hill School Fort Worth. Mr. Howley knows all about this. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, it was a great story. We were actually on the news with all of this and I uh, basically got, I recognized my coach on uh, WFA channel eight. And uh, it was one of those moments where I, I really loved doing that to coach uh, Jeremy Martin and it was really cool. And so overall um, I swim good records there at Centennial high school. And I did really well overall being the lone swimmer at Hill School of Fort Worth and now that is a long detailed situation Mr. Weaver that how all that transpired um and I don't know if you want to get into that now but uh that that, there's a long story about me and my mama bear can you can you can you tell us in a few minutes because it sounds interesting (laughs) so Hill School of Fort Worth who I give all credit to Braden's success of where he is did not have a swim team and um, pushing for a swim team was not going to be an option. So we used our home school here in Burleson. And that wonderful coach said, hey, look, it's all about the kid. He can practice with us. But Braden swam under the auspices of Hill School. So Braden was the lone swimmer for Hill School. Mm-hmm. So he would, I then kind of was Braden's swim coach. I did five, went, contacted five private schools and, um, and with, public school, we, I did 10 meets for Braden. So we did five public school meets under the auspices of Hill School, and then also five private school meets. So Braden had between 10 and 12 meets in order to get points, order to have some times. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point, Braden was so successful competing with five A schools that then he was sought at, at uh, Farmer's Branch, a McMurray coach saw him swim contacted Jeremy Martin and said we wanted Braden to swim at McMurray University and then the rest is history. So for four years, Braden swam for Hill School who didn't have a swim team, <laughs> but swam for Hill School. And it was just a very odd thing, but Hill School was so kind and supported that 100% acknowledged him in the yearbook, acknowledged him through the school paper, 
acknowledged him and supported him, had a signing day for him at Hill School. They were always very supportive of Braden swimming, even though they didn't have a swim team and allowed yeah. him to use the Hill School name. So all of his heat sheets and everything said Hill School and Fantastic. Hill School allowed it and, and gave him swim patches for his letter jacket. So Braden is the only one that's got, you know, swim patches from Hill School. I, I, Hill School is just like beyond fabulous. Yeah, well, we, we've been ignoring Mr. Howley here, but we're going to let him jump in in a little while. But <laughs> he, he can just sit here and, and, and hear how wonderful he is for he a bit. He knows how much we love him. He knows how much we love him. Yeah, not just me, everybody here at Hill School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Braden, you uh, in, in what you were describing there, one of the things you you said was it was allowing you. I, I'll paraphrase, but you can say is it was helping you learn how to make friends and and how to socialize. And that is that. Yes. Is that, that correct? Is correct? Yeah. That is, yes, sir. And did that continue into the meets that uh, that your mother was talking about? Uh, yes, sir. That is correct. Okay. Good. So That's you were. True you were respected and, and making friends first in the Special Olympics meets. And then when you got into uh, these other meets, then they probably had some respect for you and, and as, a, right. as, a, as a competitor at least. And yeah, how did that feel to? to it felt um, actually, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess, I think it was really, uh, What's a good word right we, now? We can tell from your face. You probably don't need a word. <laughs> uh, I think motive. I don't know. It's just kind of a tough uh, vocab word to come up with right now. So. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So. so yeah, but we can tell from. I mean, this is going to be a podcast, but um, we us that can see it right now can tell from your face that it was quite yeah, a deal. Mr. Weaver, what brain is? probably trying to express and brain you correct me if i'm wrong but it took a village and i express this a lot it's not just me it's not just you know it's everybody that touched brayden's soul so jeremy martin who did not have to allow brayden to swim with him i mean we got permission through you know austin through the isd to you know can he practice you know, it took Hill School to allow him to be able to swim and allow him to swim under the auspices of Hill School. All of the speech therapists, all of the occupational therapists, Mr. Howley, who was Braden's mentor, because Mr. Howley has gotten Braden to go into the IT department. So every, it's, it's a village, Special Olympics, you know, GameStop people, I, I, and people laugh at me that have relationships with Braden to this day when he walked into GameStop at age six he's still friends with these people that worked with him and picking out the right games to help him decompartmentalize his mind and picked out the best games as a mom to making sure they weren't too violent in this it's everybody that have touched him his graduation party he had over a hundred people show up in the rain just because they wanted to pay homage to this special kid that has worked so hard to be where he is today. It's, it's everybody that's not only touched him, but it's helped me 
of my craziness of trying to get him where I needed him to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. It does, and um, I'll comment it that I, I agree. It does take a village, and um, that that's how humans used to work, right? Yes. But in this case, I'd say you that you did the job of organizing that village. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, Thank you, just, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's been a journey, and we're not over yet. But it has <laughs> been a journey. But it's been a. It's it's. I could not be more proud of the young man that he's come. Does he have speech issues still? Yes. Does he get through it on a day to day? I never in a million years on this, you know, February 25th of 2004, would I've ever expected that my kid is in a four year college, swimming his heart out and making all A's and one B. <laughs> mm, right. It's greatness. Well, this, it, it, it can be done. I've seen this before. I have uh, one of my students um, who was, you know, uh, couldn't be, he was at, on the Asperger, he was Asperger's and, you know, couldn't be touched, um, was violent and all that. And what, three months ago, he graduated from UC Berkeley. It's Love it. It makes me you, very happy. And, and I should probably connect him with Braden because they, they might, they might be good friends. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I know the, the process, it is a village. So uh, you said, use the word compartmentalize. Yes. Can you tell us um, you what know, you meant? I got, I got that inclination from my sweet child because video games uh, for Brayden, he was able to focus. His hand and eye coordination was off of the chart. It started with the Wii that his occupational therapist really recommended that he try we started with the we and he like went he did really good and i could see you know with the board and he could get his body in space it was the best thing ever and his occupational therapist did a lot of with him with that gaming system mm -hmm. and then he got him the playstation and i thought Braden will never be able to manage that and he did and so now Brayden said it, it he, he told me that it helped him focus and help make his brain straight I'll never forget him telling me that mom it made my brain straight and I thought my gosh so, I never really thought about that before and so when he said that I want to make video games to help kids like me figure that out and get a sense of understanding where their brain is he wants to do something so they don't have to go through everything that he went through how wonderful is that that your son can acknowledge what it, his brain was going through and how he wants to help the future generation i mean i've done my job haven't i <laughs> i mean that's yeah wonderful. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is and I, I mentioned earlier that i've seen young men like Braden, and they 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 have the solution they know when they find it. So, um, Braden, what games, which games were they that were, and, and why? Which, which games made your brain straight? What was it, did you say? Is brain it, made your, what did he say? Made your brain? made his brain straight. It, okay. His brain was straight. It's those earlier Wii games, honey, I think. Not your ones that, because I wouldn't allow him to play the M games until he was 18. So I was a mean mama. But I'm so, talking... <laughs> so Wii, Wii games are physical, right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. Is it? Can you 
tell us about those Wii games and, and how they made your brain straight? Or what did you, you know, I keep using the word feel with this and I know that's pushing you, but. <laughs> like the tennis games that the, um, like the aerobics game that you played, the bowling, right? And then I can't even remember, there were some car racing games where he would have to use that little paddle thing. We haven't used that in so many years. I can't even remember all the games that he had. We still have the system, but it, it, are those the right games, honey? Am I, am I saying yeah, the right Yeah, there was more to that. There was actually tennis. There was actually boxing and baseball. Boxing. Baseball, you're right. So these are all things where you're up and physically moving your body. That is correct, and, yes. And, and coordinating, good. So I'll ask, so when it said it made your brain straight, was this just like an intuition? Just like, did you just know it or could you have a reasoning for it? Who's, oh, okay. I guess I'll answer this question then. Yes, this is for you, Brad. So, so say that one more time, please, sir. Was it just like when you were experiencing that, when the brains were making your brain straight, was it just, did you just know? Like, was it just intuition or could you like have some process that you were understanding that it was doing? Process of what it was doing and just knowing like on the actual TV where the actual character was going from side to side and moving and especially boxing, there was a lot of exercises to that. And okay. whenever I was playing the game called baseball, I would have to swing my 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 arms and wrists a little bit with the controllers and in the nunchucks, and so I would have to just constantly hit it with my with my hands, and so I would have to really practice that a lot. And so then in like tennis, I would have to constantly swing and constantly go back and forth, and knowing what to do so you don't like lose the match or. Which are cross cross lateral motions. Cross lateral motion, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some evidence that cross lateral motion coordination exercises are are beneficial. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a recommendation here. Um, you might want to go to my YouTube channel and learn some kung fu. <laughs> okay. So after this, if you if you have an interest in that, go to YouTube and just search for Sheng Chi, S H E N G C H I, and jump in there and take some classes and see if you like that. I, I bet I bet it's gonna make your brain straight even more. Because <laughs> uh, you got all the answers. You're you're, I mean, everything you're telling me is stuff I've have I have observed, uh, and. Uh, you're developing proprioception, your awareness of your body in space. And this is what the swimming is doing for you because you're feeling the pressure of the water and how it moves on your body. And right, the, exactly. the, the, the bicycle riding and these games, I mean, those are all the things that I have observed. Not swimming. Swimming's new to me, but I can I get it, you know. Um, that you guys have just gone down the right path. <laughs> you really have. And, and your mom driving you and your intuition knowing it is just really cool. Really Thank cool. you. Yeah. So, um, Tina, how did you know, how did you know that pushing him hard, making him, telling his teachers to make him climb 
mountain uh, Everest. I'm sure that the mother's first instinct is to protect and coddle, right? I and Mr. Halley probably can even contest. I am I am not a coddler in that aspect. <laughs> I'm I am pretty strict. Um, my my thought process is my son may have a learning uh, a learning challenge, but he is going to respect his elders. He's going to respect me. He's going to respect his teachers, and he's going to be polite and he's going to be kind and be patient and understanding as those that are polite, patient, and understanding with him. Um, and and I am a person that and I don't give in. So if there's a pushback from him. You know, mom, all my friends are watching rated M movies or, or, or you know, games. I, I don't care what they're doing. I know what I'm going to do. And you're going to have all that time to have all that in your head. And I have you for this amount of time as a child. And I'm going to protect and I'm going to do what I feel is right. And so he understood that. And I, th I know it's because kids want what they can't have. I mean, he got to see a rated R movie and then, you know, okay, it was no big deal now that he can do it. it you know, it, it wasn't the challenge. So my philosophy has always been to, um, you know, his schooling was always his number one job and that, you know, my expectation would do the best that you can. And if that's a C, I am fine with that. If that's the best that you can do. So, that's how I was kind of raised. And I, I feel that's been beneficial to Braden. Although I've never had to set an alarm for Braden or make him do homework. He's been always been self-motivated because he want, he's always, Mr. Halley can contest to this. He's always been very self-motivated to doing the right work. Um, has there been bumps in the road? Has there been challenges? Oh my gosh, yes. But He's always been self-motivated to do that um, for himself. So I've never had to really push that, but I, I am and have always been kind of strict. Sorry, Braden. <laughs> I, I think he should thank Sorry. you. <laughs> um, it's, you've, you've brought up politeness a few times and I had, you know, I'm a Californian and- um, I am I, too, I'm, I was born in Orange. I'm a Cal I'm a Niner Ooh. fan. Yes. Southern I'm a Southern SoCal. I am. Right. I am. I am. I'm in orange. I, I, I forgot to answer about the Mount Everest and, and let me Okay. In public school, Mr. Weaver, Braden was never challenged. Like every kid would do twenty spelling words, they would give Braden ten. I go, No. My son excels in spelling, we're gonna give him twenty. Or they would have him, and I'm not kidding you, having him read the three little pigs in the fifth grade. My son can read. Now, does he have troubles understanding or comprehending what he reads? Sure, I'll give you that. But how are you going to challenge him by having him read the three little pigs? And that is when I found Hill School that they, are, they have the same mentality I do. They don't coddle. They make sure they do the work. They have anticipation of the child doing the work and that's what gets done which is what I love. Um, there is no, okay, we'll let them, oh, they don't have to do that. No. My son had homework every night for four years. And I even thought, oh, come on, give him a break one day. No. And it's because of that, my son's at McMurray making A's and, and one B. 
So, so they, when they, when he jumped into Hill, they they started pushing him. Absolutely. Right off, right off the bat. Absolutely. There was no, and I was grateful for that because when I took the public school to court because they weren't doing what they needed to do, and after I won that battle, I got, you know, great, I got it, but they weren't going to change. They were going to make my son a poster child and, and have him go to these special class. No, I want him to be and learn. If he needed so, to be pulled, I didn't have a problem with that, but I needed him to learn the material and they weren't giving him the material to learn. So I, and there's a, there's a, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you, you I, did. I didn't realize you had gone to court and I do see a lot of parents um, that spend a lot of time in court with IEPs or fighting with the school system. Absolutely. And to, to give you an example, I think my wife was, was speaking to a woman and she was just, and it was this long conversation about the school system not doing what they needed to do and on and on. And then the woman said, well, I've been, I've been fighting this for 25 years. And my wife said, wait, hold your daughter. <laughs> oh, she's 35 and kid. She's long out of college now. Wait, and the woman was still fighting the school system to get, and it had no, no bearing on her. She just got trapped in that in that fight um and there's there were no spoils you're fighting a well, war in with state, in the state of texas tea the texas education agency were caught by the federal government of only allowing eight percent of all of their students getting special ed services so there's been a big so they uh, were they were capping it uh, capping it for economic reasons probably correct Right, right. And my kid was part of, of that, where only 8% would get what, you know, my son did not receive many, 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 many services he should have received because schools were being told by TEA to be capped. And okay. I, to be honest with you, Mr. Waver, I didn't have the time to let my kid fall in that sinkhole. I, yep. I went to Hill as fast as I could, and I'm so grateful that I did. So, so it would be correct to say, so you, you were fighting with the school, you had a lawsuit, but the outcome of that, even though you won, they're probably, you didn't win much. Is that correct? No, I won because it was the principle of the thing and I, I needed to do that and I was going to follow through with that. Sure, um, sure. But I, but what you actually gained. I think they did the happy day. They, right. They did the happy dance when I left and that was okay because I was a sore spot with them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I didn't want to continue to fight and for my kid not to learn. So I just had to make that jump. And I, I, like I said, I found Hill School and had the best teachers and the best support. Um, and I, I, I sing their praises even to this day and my kid's no longer there, but I love them. Do you have a smart child who is struggling in school? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel like the struggle is holding your child back from their true potential? Maybe the anxiety and worry over your child's future just beats you down every day. You don't have to live that way. Learn how to stop a learning disability from becoming a life disability. A child with a learning disability is stressful for the child and the parent. The disability may be eroding their confidence and shattering their self-esteem.
Other people may perceive your child as unintelligent and antisocial. If not addressed and fixed early, the child may develop permanent challenges later in life when looking for a good job or meeting a potential spouse. Our current school system does not know how to properly help our children, but at Learning Success, we do. We've created a system you can easily do at home with your child, and with just 15 minutes per day after school with your child, you can save them from a life of struggle and heartbreak. Learn how to unleash your child's potential and embrace their true intelligence. As a special gift for being a loyal podcast listener, we're going to give you a free trial of the Learning Success System. Try it out absolutely free for 15 days. If it is not the perfect fit to help your child succeed in school and in life, just cancel before the trial ends and pay nothing. You even get to keep the free bonuses. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast to get your free trial now. You'll be so happy you did once you see the great grades your child is capable of getting. Imagine being so proud of your child when they bring home a great report card and hand it over with a beaming smile. Get your free trial now at www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast. You've got nothing to lose except the stress and anxiety that is holding you and your child down. I'll see you there. So um, let's ask Mr. Howley something here. For finally, hey, Mr. Howley. <laughs> so, um, Mr. Howley, I, I've read over the Hill School website, and it's very clear that uh, the school is about um, about high expectations for its students. Uh, can you what What do you think? You know what happens when a school dumbs down class? It's probably not your experience because you're in a school that has high expectations. But what's your opinion of dumbing down classes to, you know, read the three, three little pigs or anything like that? What What do you see happen? I I think it's a disservice. I mean, the the students not being challenged, and just because they get slapped with a label of ADHD, Asperger's, autism it doesn't mean that they don't have the intelligence to be pushed or challenged. Um, so I, it's a big disservice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, how do you know where a student's um, limitations are if you're not pushing, pushing hard, right? Right, right. Well, you're right. And one of the things that I like to do is actually here at the Hill, we take a couple of days, uh, actually the first two weeks of school, and we just get to know the kids. That way we can meet them individually and understand their strengths, their weaknesses, and how we can utilize that throughout the school year to really challenge them and bring up the best of them. That way they're able to learn and, and focus and um, give us that 100% that any teacher would be asking for. So you're making a, a connection with the student right off the bat so that you Correct. have something to work with. Correct. And, and uh, it's just like Tina said that uh, the coach does you know it's, it's all about the kid and, and it is all about the kid it's about understanding where they're at and I, you know I'm sure Braden could contest to this whenever they first come to Hill School there's a lack of confident, uh, confidence there's um, anxiety and it's just um, all this new stuff's been uh, 
toss their way and uh, as a parent trying to figure out you know what does this mean what does this mean for my child now and in the future and then just trying to um, get that label off of them um, and not let that be an excuse and, and hold their feet to the fire when it comes to being challenged in school work. Okay, yeah, a couple of things there. So um, you said they, they, am I correct in saying that they typically, a typical student comes into your school and already has lack of confidence and, and anxiety. And I know we spoke the other, yesterday about the increase in anxiety that you're seeing. Right. And, and generally, yeah, generally a lot of um, uh, students that we see come in, they've been through testing and for some reason something's been identified in their previous school. So they go through testing and sure enough, you know, they're diagnosed with some sort of uh, learning difference. And so just based off of that history leading up to everything, you, you know, you hear the kids' backstories and it, it is just, it's heart-wrenching and it, and it hurts. Um, so you've got these students who are absolutely great, huge-hearted, wonderful kids. Um, every one of the kids here are just, they're so awesome. I, can't, I couldn't say anything. Braden was one of those kids as well. Um, they just, they care about each other. They care about themselves. But it just seems like at first we have to go through a, a, almost like a mending process to restore that confidence and gain their trust because of something that has happened in the past and they're a little bit uh, broken or damaged. And this is fairly universal then? Correct. Yes. And then going on to the anxiety, the anxiety and the pressures that, that we're starting to see, especially more so in our high school students, um, building up in middle school and even some lower school students uh, getting diagnosed uh, with anxiety now. Where all that's stemming from, not really sure, but having to work with them and try and minimize things in the classroom that will cause the anxiety as far as you know testing um transitions um are one of the biggest causes of anxiety that i see with even our high school students and getting outside of the norms on a day-to-day -day class uh schedule okay so transitions not following so when, when something changes Correct. It is anxiety right producing right um, but no i know that's very typical in, in autism but you're seeing that in any any learning difference no not not in just any learning difference more with the autism uh, autistic students um, okay but just making sure that you know we're giving them a heads up saying hey you know here this is going to be a little bit different today um trying to give them advance notice that way they don't have that that stressor on them, it's gonna cause them either maybe to have a breakdown or kind of just get them confused and out of their normal routine. I see, yeah. Well, we all wanna be in control to some extent, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you said remove, was it removing the label or get- Middle school does that. Middle school does that. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I do wanna, I've got to get my little spiel in there with Mr. Howley. You know, the, the, the classroom settings are smaller, so they get a little bit more on one in reference to this is the thing. They can have 10 people in the classroom, but if three learn it this way and three learn it that way, these teachers at Hill School will then work with those three on how it works for them this way and then work with these three kids and work with them this way. And it's, and 
it's amazing that that works and why public school can't figure that out. But although public school, they've got 35 in the classroom. So they may not be able to pull and figure out how does Braden learn? Which way does it work? Hill School offers that, which my son may not learn one plus one is two your way. But if you explain it to him, one plus one is two this way and he learns it, what does it matter as long as he gets to two? Does that make sense? Yep. And yep. Hill School, the teachers there figure that out. And so they- you're not you're not talking about different learning styles, but actually like methodologies of learning. Like Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Absolutely. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mr. Howley, but I needed to get that out because, because what you guys do for these kids with learning differences, they, they individualize how that kid could learn. My son, math was tricky, but okay, how do we get Braden to learn it this way? So these teachers have these tools and these internet sites and all this, this is how Braden learns. And that's how Braden did his homework was with this technique that this, that the teacher would give. Mm -hmm. It's been, it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it's that big of a deal. It is, it is any, I think any master teacher knows to come at things from a variety of angles and, and one will click, right? So yeah, now, um, We'll we'll bring Mr. Howley back on in a second here, but when he was, we're ignoring you there, Mr. Howley. We're not, so. We love him. We love him. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's talking I'm to you. Still, so I'm partial. I'm partial. I'm very partial. I I, we him. can see that. So so when Mr. Howley was talking about the early connection, the first two weeks, I believe, um, I saw you tearing up a little bit. <laughs> what tell I, me? I, I do because. <laughs> they saved him and people don't understand they saved him you go in and you do a three or four day mr howley what is it three day where they go in and do like a visit is it three day yeah the two-day visit right the two-day visit so i pulled my son out of public school and, and hill school does a two-day visit and to see if they can meet Braden's needs mm -hmm. And when my kid came home, he was a different kid. Just in those two days that I saw that Brayden, I could tell that they cared and it was a whole different situation for him. And then I knew I found the right place. And I, I get emotional because they saved him and they taught him because where he was wasn't and through making the through making the years. connection through it making the no question it was the best six years of my child's life and i have heel school to thank for that because if it wasn't for them i'm a single parent i could not homeschool my son um had to put food on the table but hill school did and if there was ever an issue i had taken care of right on the spot um if I was inept, I would email. Emails were responded to. I need help with this. I'm not sure that. Educate me so I can educate him at home. Um, I get emotional because um, they don't they don't take the credit that they should, but I'm giving them the credit because they saved him. They truly did. In they reference to his educational and 
providing him extracurricular activities and being part of athletics and theater and music and hanging up the flag. And um, he got certificates from Microsoft due to Mr. Howley um, helping him with that. And, you know, who would have ever thought Braden would ever be able to do that? And thanks to Mr. Howley, Braden was able to get all the certificates that they offered through Microsoft. It, I don't know. I'm going to talk off. I can talk too much about them. So go back to Mr. Howley. <laughs> so uh, actually one quick question from you, just to be clear. So the listeners know on this, that you did say you were a single mother. So this was not financially easy for you. No, I, I've been on my own since Braden was five. Okay. But so yeah. I, I can imagine it was uh, difficult to, to pay for that. I, I don't imagine it's cheap, but from what I can tell, there was a, a fantastic return on investment. No that. question. No question. I, my, my position is, is that um, I needed to do what I can do. I don't have a life until I get my son in a position where he can take care of himself, has a job, and then I can pass away knowing that my son is self-sufficient and can be a, 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 a member of society and not a, and not a product of society. I wanted him to fulfill a dream and be able to live on his own. I don't want the state to take care of my son. I want my son to take care of my son. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. A hundred percent. So I, I can pay off those loans and, and uh, that's fine. That's what my responsibility is to assure um, that he is okay. Uh -huh. He is. He's awesome. I can tell. I can <laughs> tell. Uh, Braden, in those first, uh, was it a couple of weeks that that time when you were kind of forming a connection with the teachers. Can you tell me, so how, before you went, you, there, there was, was going to be a new thing, this new school, you hadn't been there. How did it feel before you went? And then how did it feel when you went? So how I got to Hill School Fort Worth is, is that how I felt about it was that it was a new experience, new environment. And I didn't know what to really say to these kids or peers. And so I was just thinking in my mind, okay, why don't I just get some hype up and go ahead and try to see if I can communicate to my okay. peers here. And um, so basically, you went, you went into it with a pretty good attitude. Yes, sir. I went in like a pretty good attitude, focused and seeing what we were going to learn and you, you like, might have some of your mother's genetics is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yes, sir. Exactly. Um, everybody says that nowadays. Everybody. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this school really helped me and pushed me. And thanks to Mr. Halley on certain things about, like, the Microsoft certifications and getting through my middle school years at Hill School and high school years of Hill School, it really taught me how to, like, become a better man and really become one of these successful people that are now going to college. And so, does right. that answer your question, sir? It, it does. It does. Um, how long did it take before you felt comfortable there? Oh, it took about two and a half, three right mom years to get acclimated to it, or maybe? I, 
I will say for Braden, he missed public school. He missed his friends. Yeah, and 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 but I yeah. also explained those those friends haven't kept in communication with you. So I, I think there was a disconnect. I think Braden saw um what he was missing in public school. So he did struggle with thinking he was missing something over there at the same time trying to get acclimated to Hill School. But I think maybe the first year was a little rough, um, but then, you know, Braden was kind of a big man on campus, wouldn't you say, Mr. Halley? He did it not have a friend. <laughs> uh, he was a pretty, pretty verbal, pretty uh, out there. Uh, and I can let Mr. Halley speak on that, but it, it did take Braden about a good, that the first year was a little difficult, just thinking he was missing something in public school, but, he got very acclimated after that first year. Would well, you say, Brayden? Yes, absolutely. Yes, for sure. Was it just that you were missing your friends in public school mainly? Or? Yes. Okay, so it was a social thing. Yeah, I went, yeah, so I really wanted to be kind of those other kids where they didn't have issues like I did. And so a lot of these kids nowadays are starting to be kids that are just normal, don't have autism like I do, and it's just... I'm starting to get into the phase of trying to become better sociable and having social skills and going through the process and going to Hill School has really helped me. And Mr. Halley knows this as well tremendously. And, and uh, when I was in his class, <laughs> his class for sure taught me a lot of things and being sociable and communicate. He really wanted me, Mr. Holly really wanted me to be sociable in his classroom. Really try to think about the questions and really think about like analyze, you know, the questions for IT and knowing what to really say in this setting and and especially communicating with my peers, huge thing. Huge thing. How did you, how did you do that, Mr. Halley? What what did you do to push him to be social? So I like to bring in a lot of real world experience and expose the kids to real world situations and scenarios and um, staying informed of just what's happening you know, um, across the workforce. Because I mean, obviously, ultimately, any school's job is to prepare kids for either work life or to go off to college. And I like to try and bring in those real world experiences. So um, thankfully, with technology, I can bring in all kinds of um, different fun experiences really enjoy but I like to push a lot of group work um, a lot of collaboration um, you know in, in Braden's case um, he could work individually output was absolutely fine given a hundred percent but the minute we bring in a group it was like oh I've got to depend on someone else and the thing that Braden's not saying not bragging about himself is very much a perfectionist. Um, he wants everything to be perfect, wants it to be, you know, exact. And <laughs> if, if he's feeling without a shadow that it's going that way, he always would start second guessing himself, third guessing himself. So by introducing him into the group, it started expanding those social skills. And that's something that we also do focus on here at Hill is a lot of working on social skills and, and social engineering in the classroom and getting kids who may not necessarily be, you know, best friends, um, but getting them to work with each other just to learn from each other and have those experiences. Braden, do you 
do you feel that you've become better at understanding like what another person is thinking or feeling through? Yes, absolutely, sir. Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, and and how have you become better at that through through practice or? Well, uh, like, what do you mean by practice? Like, what? Well, just so so, Mr. Halley was was describing putting you in these. Uh, collaboration environments which would be practice because you you have to communicate with others and and a part of of communication is understanding that other person and what they're what they're thinking and what and what they're feeling and i i know that's probably pretty difficult or has been difficult to you for you um but it sounds like you have right. come, come a long ways in the in that understanding um I think you're talking, Mr. Weaver, like role-playing. Brayden and I, ever yes. since we diagnosed, we do a lot, a lot of role-playing. Okay. Um, what would you do? How would you handle it? And, and he has called me on several occasions through college. What do I do? How do I handle that? Because I can't come up with every scenario known to man. But uh, I think what Mr. Weaver's talking about, Brayden, is kind of like that role-playing how do you handle something? How do you know how to handle it? And what are some of your, like, how do you cope with it? Or how do you kind of manage that? Is, am I understanding what you're saying, Mr. Weaver? It, it, it is. And I'm, and I'm also wondering if through that practice, uh, if it has become um, more automatic. Because. So I think what you're saying here, Mr. Weaver, is that, yes, it, it kind of helped me through a lot of those stages of um, that scenario and so uh, mom you did prove a good point about role-playing and knowing what to say in all of that and so Mr. Weaver what I'm kind of saying here is is that every time when I try to call my mom at college I always say what do I do how do I say this it's kind of embarrassing if I say the wrong words or mm -hmm. things of that nature and so it really kind of I really need to just just always call somebody in case, like for assistance if there's any problems or right. things so, of that nature. So, so what I'm asking is um, so through that practice of role playing so say some of the earlier lessons are, are those lessons more ingrained in you that you don't have to think about what your response is to where it just it's easier to to do whatever whatever the goal of that of that is or are you constantly thinking about the if then this that in in the role play i'm i'm basically constantly thinking about the if then of role playing some a lot of the time because it just mm -hmm. it kind of thinks me through of what to say and mm -hmm. and analyze on just things of that nature. Do you see where I'm getting at, Mr. Weaver, a little bit? I, I do. I do. Yeah, it's just a curiosity of mine. Um, so I, one of the things, I, I've done a lot of role-playing with with young men with Asperger's and autism as well. And so a lot of my students had problems with violence. They were, and it, and it seems like just the wrong thing to do to send somebody that has a problem with being overly violent to somebody who can teach them kung fu, but it's not, I assure you. And so one of the yeah. thing, one of the things that um, some of my, a lot of my students would have problems with is they, you know, say for example, if somebody pats them on the back, saying, "Hey, how's it going?" or, or whatever, 
and they didn't really realize right about right off the bat is this person hit person hitting me to be mean or they they, they didn't understand and so the i used a for that that particular situation because it came up all the time um i gave them three rules and and one you know is this person um if they're in some way telling you that they're going to hurt you are they telling the truth and two um do they have the capabilities of, of hurting you um and so when when i would give them these roles i know that the students that i worked with these rules um they would instantly process it but it was a thinking process of going through the rules and they're like oh no the situation is okay i don't have to be fight back you know um but i'm wondering over time does that become like just so natural like you just know is is the question do you just like after so much practicing with these role playing is it become more natural rather than than a thought so um yeah it does become more natural for me in like so what you're getting here so like what you're saying here mr weaver is it like so repeat that one more time real quick please so if when you, you go you ahead mind, i think i i think from what i see as his mom mm -hmm. if brayden makes a mistake or does something he won't do that again and okay. so then that becomes natural it's the the new things that come that are socially inept so let me give you an example his sweet mates he was in the bathroom they would turn off the light and kind of goof around with him while brain was in the restroom and he did not know how to manage that so he contacted me okay mom how do i manage that and he had contacted his swim flock and his swim flock or like mama bears to him they didn't want to uh-uh so then they told the swim coach and the swim coach told the RA and said, hey, leave the lights off or leave the lights on when he's in the bathroom. Don't be messing with it because Braden has a hard time understanding the sarcasm. What's a joke? Not a joke. Right. So now Braden knows how to deal with that and those issues won't come up again. It's the new stuff and the social component of what do I say? What do I do? How am I supposed to look? What is my face supposed to look like? Right. What are the words? Brayden is one that doesn't want to, to be different than anybody else. Uh -huh. And when I explained to him, I said, you're not different than everybody else. You're just different. Everybody's different. So everybody's I try different. to think, yeah. you're, not, you're not different than everybody else. You're ju you just think differently. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's the thing that I kind of try to encourage him, give him that self-confidence. But I, I find with Brayden, if he makes a mistake, and he learns from that, he doesn't ever go backtrack that. He learns it and then you just don't ever see that happen. And I know Mr. Howley can can contest to that too. It's it's the new stuff that he doesn't know how to work that creates the anxiety and he doesn't know what to do with. Sure. Did I say that right, Brayden? Yeah, you did. Yes, you did for okay. sure. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But of course that new stuff eventually becomes old stuff and- Yes. Oh yeah. And I just need to move forward. And yeah, yeah. Braden, can you tell us about, um, so the video game thing and your plans there. Um, so sensory overload, um, well, how, how did, how's, what's sensory overload feel like? So what that, what that feels kind of like, Mr. Weaver, is that 
sentry overload kind of makes me like, so mom, you would need to kind of help me with this just a little bit maybe? Well, when you were little, you would get very anxious and you, yeah, would, right. and you would stem like you would okay. hit your wrists and, and yeah, you would. would have anxiety and you would kind of shut down. Right, that's correct. My mom said that perfectly there. Yeah, I used to stim a lot. My mom kind of was like, we need to put like these little wrist things on so you don't keep doing that. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Weaver, that kind of stopped, unfortunately, and I'm not doing that constantly anymore. So video games kind of helped me with my hand-eye coordination and all of that sort of thing. And they've been my interest ever since, and I've always enjoyed them. They've so always been for well. So when you were, I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you were doing the video game, so um, for, first off, it, Tina, you, um, you would dissuade him from stemming. Is that correct? Yes. It, and I, as a mom, ugh, I really hated, but occupational therapy, I put these hand wrist weights on him. He would flick his wrist so hard I could hear it on the other end of the house, and I just knew he was going to break his wrists. It, it, I was just terrified of that, but we put the weight, the weighted wristbands on, and then after about a month, he quit. He quit flicking the wrists. That was okay. the major stemming issue that he had. Okay. Okay. So then, as you did the, so the the, the sensory overload sounds like caused a lot of anxiety. Yes. Okay. And then the you're doing the video games and that is helping you with the sensory overload step through are you talking right. to me or how right. i saw it um more braden more braden actually uh i actually thought that video games really helped me process these like the sensory overload by not stimming and all of that and it just helps me with my like i said our coordination and knowing what to do and just the graphics and the design and and Mr. Halley, I think knows what I'm talking about just a little bit and my mom kind of, but um, just the things that, to answer your question, Mr. Reaver, is that I think that video games have just helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Love the graphics, love everything, love the characters, yacht, et cetera. I, I don't, do, is it? Do you think maybe because it's honing in your senses that with, with all you're you're describing the graphics and all of that that you're yes, actually sir. practicing your senses? Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so, uh, is sensory overload still a problem? I don't think so right now. That sounds like a no. <laughs> that sounds yes. That is a no. Yes. Is that correct, mom? Is that right? Yeah. His stemming has stopped. Um, he doesn't have and again it's just like a process of going through and kind of knowing what to do uh we went through wonderful training programs through easter sales how does your engine run where when you got to be the rabbit level how what are the methods that you do to get down to the turtle level so there was lots of things that Braden learned as we went on how to kind of work through those stemming sensory anxiety issues okay and so really it's really a, an understanding of your body and better understanding of your own senses. And, mm -hmm. and that, that leads to that. Is that correct? Through my experience with working with Braden, yes, sir. And so that's probably where the, your swimming really comes in because you're, I mean, that's full body oh, yes. sensory, right? That's for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Awesome. Okay. Um, I noticed in the article on you, you said that sports were not physically demanding, but were mentally demanding. Can you describe that? The so, other, other sports, other sports. Well, okay. So let me kind of really summarize this a little bit, um, Mr. Weaver. So I really didn't like playing like mainly the big time sports that a lot of people want to play like mm-hmm. basketball, football, baseball, track, soccer. I can go down the list here. But mainly the main focus right now was obviously going to be swimming because that was always going to be my passion, my favorite of all time. It will always be no matter what. And, and I loved competing or love competing still to this day. Mm-hmm. And so – to answer your question, I would say that swimming's just it, it helped me tremendously get through my strengths my, or my struggles and it just it feels smooth, it feels comfortable, it feels relaxing and that sort of way is that kind of what you want me to talk about? Well, the words you're using are good. You're using a lot of sensory where you're using the word feel a lot and oh, feel yes or a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The very, the kinesthetic aspect uh, of it. Yeah. Do, uh, do you feel your, I mean, I, I'm not a big advocate of learning styles, but I do know that we can tend to have a dominant learning styles. Do you feel your kinesthetic visual as a type of a learner? Right. Do you, yeah. do you feel that the kinesthetic is a way, for example, my, so the, one of my students who had Asperger's, <laughs> his kinesthetic thinking ability was just amazing. The guy could take a Rubik's cube, look at it for a second, look away and solve it. It was just like, you know, his, and when he practiced Kung Fu, he, I've never seen anyone practice this way, but he would visualize his opponent and then when he couldn't quite get it right he would actually turn around and act out the part of the opponent think about it and turn back around and practice his move i mean so his senses his kinesthetic senses were were amazing he was developing them like uh, this sounds a lot like what you are doing the same with your with your swimming um now i know and it, it there's a book by Temple Grandin where she claims that everything is visual. Um, but with, in my experience, I'm seeing a lot of kinesthetic and I'm, I'm hearing kinesthetic from you as well as a, as a good input to, to understand yourself and your brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The way you feel good. Um, so, you know, what, what tips do you have for other kids that have that sensory overload? So, um, what, what should they do? So for me, for tips for kids that with learning differences, they need to try to like, just overcome like their weaknesses. And, uh, my mom can actually help me out with this one, just a little, maybe in case if I'm messing up here, you're not messing up. You're doing great. Oh, we said that you, in you, you've told me before you want do something, find your passion, and yeah, then find do your what passion. they like, right? Right, and then let me try to continue maybe here. Sure. And so, um, anyway, find their passion, know what their strength, and 
maybe try to work out their weaknesses weakness a little bit and try to you know overcome their challenges and things of that nature and so um i don't know why i keep saying that and so uh i guess what i'm getting here right now is that uh so mom how how would you kind of say this as well a little bit here I think your your main point for somebody to kind of go through what, what you're going through is finding something that they love and be motivated and passionate about what they do, right? You yeah, tell right. all your Special Olympic friends to do the same thing. Whatever they love, do it and do it well, right? What's up? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> One of his swim friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'll let you go swim in here pretty soon. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that was embarrassing. So anyway, um, yeah. So to answer that question, sir, what my mom said, a perfect example. And uh, so, so mom, you were saying about the passion, motivation of kids that need to, you know, like you were saying, all right, mom. You're saying what, what would you recommend to kids that have the sensory issues and, you know, the autism, sensory, that kind of thing. What do you recommend as a kid like you? What do you recommend other kids that have the same thing as you? What would you recommend them to do? What I would recommend would be like, just overcome their weaknesses and improve their skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, have better understanding of just of people that, they're not like you're not going to make any sense and they're not they need to understand you they need to understand like the others need to understand you as well and so i would say that kids with learning differences will overcome in the long run as long as they have a good higher level of education and um and always have a passion of their sport and etc so it really doesn't matter where you start, does it? It just right. That's correct. Matters what that you keep going and keep pushing. Keep going, forward. yes, and keep pushing. And you are your mother's child. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I am. So I love it. No, 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 no. So. That's great. And I'll, I'll admit that I'm I'm married to somebody very much like that, and it's not always comfortable, but but it's you know it's the best. It's it's um pushing forward my wife is 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 a drill sergeant she was and that's why she had so much success with kids teaching kung fu she she made so many kids just change dramatically and and lots of stories like like Braden in here and so you know i've i've seen it and i've done it you know that doesn't pushing somebody hard doesn't come natural to me that was a learned skill for me it was natural to her just like it is for you tina um but uh, you know uh, it's, it's it's the only way it really is I don't know. I don't know any other. I don't know any other way. I'm I'm a mama bear when it comes to my my. Uh, I call him my gentle giant. Um, I don't know another way. I, I again thinking back. You know, February 25th um, till now. Um, it wasn't a death sentence. Actually, it was it was the best journey I think I could ever experience in my whole entire life. He's a, such a joy to me. I, you know, didn't ever think he could drive. And now he's driving back and forth from college. I, you know, he could do his own laundry. He can cook. He can, I, I just never thought in a million years it would happen. And he's, he's just glorious. I love him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at this point, it's a gift. Absolutely. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that word is used a lot in the lift learning differences world. And at first it's not right. No, it's not. And I used to get offended and get mad at people to say that, you know, that, you know, God gave him to you for re I, I, that's not what you want to hear. You want solutions. You want answers. You want things fixed. You want things, people to cooperate you. And, and I, I get irritated when people aren't patient and understanding and tolerant because we're all different. And that part drives me crazy that mm -hmm. the people outside and not having an understanding and not being patient, that part is that drives me crazy. So and that's, I constantly educate on that. Well, which is a, a really good point because you yeah. have, there's there's a big movement out there for tolerance and being understood and all that and and of course that's important but if that and we have to start there and it has to exist but if you stay there which is not what you did you then pushed you're like so where's that mix of tolerance yet we're still going to drive forward we're not going to accept this or at where does it come from well i i don't know i mean it's just like you, you see a lot out there of, of I mean, tolerance is obviously something good, but if it ends there, like accepting the problem and this is just what the way it is and we're not gonna get better, we're not gonna move forward in life. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of that going on when, when tolerance is talked about, right? Go but ahead. that's not what you did. You accepted where you were. You're like, okay, this is where we are. Right. And right. others, others should be tall on this. And then you push forward. Correct. And those, those things seem to be conflicting, but they're not. They're not in part of being his mom is to, to educate the people that are going to be part of his village. My son definitely has issues with communicating. He's brilliant. He's a savant in so many things. He just can't communicate it to you. So I need people to understand that just because maybe he can't communicate doesn't mean his IQ level is under 70 or that he doesn't have feelings or that he doesn't have an understanding. He just may not be able to express it in a way that you, Mr. Weaver, could understand or his roommate could understand. And I, so I'm all about where Braden, I think, wants to underline his diagnosis I encourage him, and of course, he is 18 and a half now, or gosh, I'm sorry, 19 and a half, Braden, I'm sorry, um, where he gets to make those decisions. And But I thought with knowledge is power, as Batman says, um, he, the more people understand, then the more than they can, oh, Braden's trying to say this, or Braden means this because I know Braden now, and his mom has tried to explain to me that there may be some defi defi deficits with his communication. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we weren't sure if we were going to tell his roommate about his issues. And I thought, you know, that's not really fair because if Braden maybe communicates in this, his roommate, go, okay, that's weird. I don't know what he's trying to say. And then he automatically thinks that there's something wrong. But if you're open and you communicate and you express and you have that dialogue about, okay, he may say this, he doesn't mean that, his facial expressions will mean something different than what he looks. With him having an understanding, then he can say, oh, you know, his mom talked to me about that. I understand that. 
Braden wanted to vacuum the carpet at 10 o'clock the other night. Braden called me and said, well, Taryn wanted to go to sleep, and I really wanted to vacuum the carpet. So we had to have that role playing of discussion and understanding about you could have waited to, to, to do the carpet, but mom, the carpet was dirty. But then kind of walking through that of, of what's acceptable, not acceptable. And, and, and Taryn was very gracious of understanding, hey, you know, we, we need to wait on that. And then tomorrow you can have that and vacuum all you want to. So then he then can then call Braden out on it and, and kind of talk him down and, and let him know what is socially appropriate. But if I wouldn't have had that conversation with Taryn at the very beginning, then there may have been some animosity and some, some ruffling of feathers that I, I, I it's going to happen, of course. Sure. But I, I think expressing and having an understanding, I think makes all the world. But Braden doesn't advertise it. But for those that he then establishes those relationships with, he then does express, hey, I may not understand what you're saying, or you may not understand, but this is what's going on with me. But I let Braden kind of lead that path because I'm not there and he is, and he needs to decide what he wants to express and what he doesn't want to express. So that, so it, rather than saying tolerant, it sounds more like educating. Yes. People are gonna make, if they are uneducated in Braden's personality, then they were, are going to make assumptions. And those but not everybody are... that Brain's going to come with is going to have a longevity relationship. So sure. when he can't count money at the local convenience store when he gets a water and they are impatient with him because he does have struggles with money. It's that, okay, it's going to take maybe 30 more seconds for him to figure that out. Why can't we be patient and kind with people that you see struggle? What's wrong with waiting 30 seconds for him to get it? Right. And it will help his self-confidence so that the next time he comes in, maybe it's a little bit better because somebody gave him that 30 seconds. Right. Okay, good. Um, Mr. Okay. Howley, you, so along these lines, Mr. Howley, you had said removing labels in something you said as, as a practice. Can yes. Yeah. And yeah. And really what it goes boils down to is just when we're talking with the kids and when we're holding the kids accountable for doing their homework or working on projects and things like that, we don't allow the kids um, to use their learning difference as an excuse because obviously every single kid at our on our campus has some sort of learning difference. So it's not a valid excuse. And I'm not a big fan of labels in general. Um, I go back to what Dr. Seuss says is a person's a person's no matter how small. Um, so I mean, a person's a person and everybody's gonna be different. And it's about tolerance and it's about acceptance and um, it's about respect. Um, and, and it goes both ways. Uh-huh. I see. Okay. So, yeah, you, you guys are using the word tolerance in, in, in a very positive way. That's really good. Um, but I, I've seen it used. I, and, and I can understand if you get um, it, a mother's anxious and, and, and pushing that. Anyway, let's talk about your anxiety levels now. Tina, have they gone away? No. No. <laughs> okay. No. I'm a worry wart. Um, he doesn't, Braden doesn't ever see what I worry about. Um, he may in my shortness of something or whatever, but I, um, uh, my responsibility as a parent isn't for him not to see my anxiety or my worry. Although sometimes it does slip and he does understand that. But my job um, 
of being a uh, empty nester. I have not done well with that, um, but I, I'm figuring it out and I will figure it out. My, my mission in life uh, until I no longer have to worry is getting my son where he needs to be. Um, so I'll worry about my anxiety and I'll, I'll take care of that. Um, but, but yes, I do have that. I do. I, I'll be honest with you. I do. It's probably in my DNA too, in my wiring. Mr. So, Howley yeah. can test to that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a mother. So, um, yeah. but you did, did I hear you correctly and said it's your job not to push that on, not to let him see that or, or. Absolutely. Or, if my garage could talk, um, I, that's my haven of crying and anxiety and, worry um but my son well i that's not it's not his burden to bear it's mine do you have any other than going to the garage and crying do you have any other tactics for keeping your anxiety under check oh yes and i, I say that not as seriously going through the journey it was anxiety um right now i i'm a master gardener so i garden i um do a lot i love yard work i have great friends great family I get mm -hmm. to watch my son swim um, at swim meets and I spend my weekends uh, traveling to go see him because it is a fleeting time in his life where, you know, in four years that will be long gone. So I, I do take the time to be present uh, with him in what he loves to do. And I love watching him uh, just develop into this wonderful human being and competing at a, at a D3 school and, and competing and getting seconds and thirds and relays. It's, um, it's, it's, been, I, it's been a wonderful monumental experience to go through. I wouldn't trade for it in a million years. So now you're able to just soak it up, huh? Yes, my, I, I have to get credit for the bad, but I'm certainly going to take the credit for the good, <laughs> for sure, <Yep. laughs> for sure. So I will enjoy it and, and be present in the moment. And I, 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 I take that very seriously. I, I'm very focused in um, making sure that I soak that in. I, I'm kind of the swim team's mom. I was told that the other day. I was the only one present for the swim meet up in Arkansas. And uh, I think Brain kind of was proud of that. I could sense that he was. And so now I'm known as the team swim mom. So I'll take that. <laughs> sure. And you should. You yeah. should. Um, Mr. Howley, let's, what other, so you've got a, a lot of students, all, every, all of your students with learning differences. Um, and your mission is, can you talk about the school mission and, and how you accomplish it? Yeah. So our school mission is um, just, we're really focusing on the students and making sure that students with, we're creating a safe, secure, student-centered environment um, and just helping them become successful lifelong, lifelong learners. We know that learning doesn't stop, you know, at, at once they graduate high school or graduate college. Um, I've been out of college for quite a few years now and there's still things that I'm learning. Um, so it's about preparing them and letting them use their their difference to possibly become a, a strength uh, figuring out those strengths and filling in those gaps for the weaknesses so it's not as relevant and it's not as much of an issue as it has been previously for them mm -hmm. so really that that's that's great You're focusing on the strengths and and also the weaknesses 
Correct. Okay, good, good. And um, student-centered environment, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Um, so it, it goes back to, you know, being all about the kids. Um, we have a thing called the, what we call our Hill School Triangle, and I'm sure Tina can attest to this, um, but it's set up where at each point of the triangle, it's the parent, the student, and the teacher, and it takes, we know for a Hill School, it takes those three, it's kind of our version of the village, um, yeah. but it's about constant communication, um, constant observations, and um, setting goals for the kids during conferences, actual tangible goals, not just, hey, you know, I'm in third grade and our goal is to graduate high school. No, that's, that, that's a good goal, but we want actual better tangible goals such as, hey, you know, I've struggled with um, executive functioning issues and turning in assignments. So my goal for the next 18 weeks is going to be maybe turn in or maybe have one missing assignment instead of the nine or 10 or X amount um, goals to be more organized um, with their papers um, and different tangible results like that. That makes, makes a lot of, a lot of sense. So you're the director of technology there. Do it, does technology help you with that? Oh, it definitely does. Um, we uh, staying in with all the trends, obviously Microsoft's the big, uh, uh, one that you see across a lot of businesses. So we are Microsoft School, we use the Surface Pro devices. Um, two of the big features of our one-to-one -one program is um, obviously the Outlook, um, and then uh, for allowing those communications to happen between students and teachers and parents. Um, also getting in on the calendar, setting up the calendar to organize when homework is due, uh, when tests are coming up, so they can see their schedule out a week, um, uh, see it for maybe the whole month. Um, then breaking it down into um, OneNote um, to help with their organization where we don't have to worry about as many lost, well, really we don't have to worry about lost papers um, with the OneNote um, because your teachers are able to see exactly what's going on at 24 seven. Um, we can see where you're struggling. We can help you out at any point in time. Um, so it's, technology's definitely helped uh, fill in and bridge some of those gaps. Um, but it's not necessarily just about those. I mean, really, if we talk about technology, we could talk about something as simple as a planner. Um, so a lot of our lower school kids, um, they'll have planners and the teachers are, you know, making sure that they're entering everything on the planners. I'm sure Braden, um, I know his senior year, we give them the option of using the planner or um, using email, the Outlook system. And I know it's a, a big relief once they get to that senior year, that privilege of, yeah, I'm going to put everything in the Outlook and set everything up. And I am so thankful to be done with that planner. But I bet you now that Braden is in college, he was, he's probably like, you know, I really did like that planner system to help me stay organized and focused. Oh, yeah. He has a planner, Mr. Howley. He's <laughs> made him one with superheroes on it, as you know. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. That's he's sure. got one. Fantastic. Okay, very cool. So connection, community, using a little bit of technology in there to help put all that together. Yeah. Um, Braden, what's next? So what's next for me? So my next stage of my life, career-wise, <laughs> is uh, I want to go into my, a major called information technology. And I also slash computer science-ish range for computer video game design developing and also become a sports statistician. 
and also try to be, like be able to know like a lot of sports stats, like their batting average, passing yards per game, uh, just and also just pucks in the goal and you know all of, you, you get the picture. And so yeah, and also maybe one day if they if the Olympic scouts look at McMurray and stuff, I might become a U.S. Olympic swimmer. So awesome, awesome. So. Now, your mother mentioned that math wasn't a wasn't your top spot, yet you're going after something statistics-oriented. That is correct, yes, sir. Very, very interesting. So you've gone after your weaknesses. And... Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I'm going to try to go out of my weaknesses, like Tina Ryder was saying earlier in this podcast. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's for sure. Awesome. That's That's pretty amazing. Okay. So we have covered a lot. Is there anything that uh, we have missed that anyone else wants to? And Mr. Howell, we didn't let you talk enough, I know, but I think we get the point. It's all about Braden and their experiences, so it's absolutely fine. Well, I think that that the quality of your school has been well expressed, so. um, I hope I did it justice. I think I I can't say enough. We, Mr. Howley, I I don't tell anybody he's my favorite. I'm quite fond of him. He's uh, just a, a dear gem of that school. And I can't say enough about how wonderful he is and how great he was to my kids. So we love but, him. But it sounds like there's a lot of great teachers there as well. Most definitely. Most definitely. Great. Anything else you want to say, Mr. Howley? No, um, I know you you brought it up. It's just something that's been sitting here thinking about the weaknesses and Braden going after his math. Um, I could see Braden doing it and being successful. Um, just knowing him and knowing his um, background, and I think that derives from the sports and the swimming. Um, now, it may be a little bit more time-consuming, and he might have to practice it a lot more, but Braden is definitely the type that if he sets his mind to it, he's going to be able to achieve whatever he sets his mind to. Mm-hmm. I'm and sure. So I have something, actually, and sort of, <laughs> prove that point there and so from from Mr. Holly's standpoint I would say that yes I will have to push myself a lot to get to where I need to be and all of that and so yeah I think I'm gonna have to really push it a lot and get through a lot of just a couple majors maybe here and there but it'll have to just uh just go through the process and the cycle and knowing what to really learn learn and talk about so i just i'm in love with sports especially swimming that's my passion always has been interest every every time well when you say the word push you smile so i oh yeah it you're you're ready for any challenge yes sir that is correct you use the word process you know that everything moving forward is just a matter of process is that correct that is correct yes sir and the cycles of learning from cycles of learning. Yes, sir. You got it. You got it down, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Yes. Sir. <laughs> All right. So um, this has been a pretty long podcast. I think we probably had to close it up unless anyone has anything uh, else that they want to interject before we do. Just thank you for the opportunity to tell Braden's story and, and, and his journey. Uh, it means a lot because I, I, I'd like parents to know that it's not a death sentence because it can happen. Uh, Braden's a testament to that. So um, just thank you for the opportunity. 
thank you all for coming on here. It's, uh, it's really an amazing story. And I think that this getting out there is going to really help a lot of people. So, and I'm grateful also for the opportunity to be on this podcast because I, I've been actually looking forward to this today and just getting through a lot of my just becoming a college athlete and becoming a college student now and yeah. just being all alone and now I've got to really just be over the hump a little bit and try to uh, be more communicate communicative with other peers and especially my swim teammates and my friends that I now have in college, which is great. And so I think in this podcast right now, telling my story is, is really, I think generous and interesting actually, because it just tells me, tells us the story of this learning difference kid and what he's gone through and his mother actually telling the story mostly and so it was kind of interesting of what Tina Ryder had to say. So. Awesome. So I, I do notice your, your body language has changed throughout this podcast. I know you're a little anxious coming on and, and a little ang- have a lot of anxiety right now. But I think that if we let you, you just keep talking for another couple hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could talk. I'm a social butterfly. But, 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 but you got swim practice. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like 21 minutes late, but I'm I'm good <laughs> right now. But well, I, I yeah, I hope it was worthwhile. But what my my point is is that pushing through something that you have some anx- anxiety. This is this is this is normal for you. Correct. And, yeah, this is kind of normal for me. Yes, sir. That is great. And, and right and right now today you've done that. And if you're on another pod podcast, you're going to probably just be quite comfortable from the start. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. All right. All right, so we're going to go ahead and close up. And again, thank you all uh, for coming on here. It's quite an incredible story. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.